I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. And we have our three-man weave back. Unfortunately, Tron Carter is out. The spicy curmudgeon ate some bad meat or something tonight and <laughs> had to bow out late. So we've got a uh, you know a much better replacement. We have SB Nation's Brendan Porath and then also uh, Scratch's DJ Pajowski. Welcome on. Hey man, what's up? I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't. It's an honor to be here. I wouldn't claim that I can fill in uh, the take shoes of one Tron Carter, though. It's an honor. A lot, a lot of people uh, in the corners of the internet saying Tron might be suffering low T right now. Just low, <laughs> low takes, heading into a big week. It's, it's kind of upsetting to hear. Need him to issue a statement to see what's going on. You know, since. Since the flip-flopping, the fatwa lifting, and then the fatwa placing on Kuchery, he just he seems to be a lost man. He just he needs to start seeing some putts go in. I think and just kind of get his get his feet back under him. He uh, he was telling me he's kind of uh, been bogged down with real world stuff, but uh, he did find time to parachute in and give his take on the uh, Nike Blade collar lineup for the week, which I appreciated. Like. Just couldn't go, couldn't go untaked, you know. Andy, can I can I just say uh, I'm I'm excited and a little nervous uh, to eventually find out what kind of hackers are listening to this podcast as we record it to see who's gonna who's gonna infiltrate <laughs> feed next. You know, it's it's been a bad bad week for the pod, uh, bad ten days. I apologize to all the listeners. Uh, you know, we're having a little internal issue here. I I use Squarespace, and they have no clue what's going on. But I keep getting infiltrated by other Squarespace customers. The uh, the leakers are the real story here. <laughs> internal so, issue, huh? So after today, you know, I know how to fix it now. But today's, I mean, I I uh, I rarely get get very upset with people, but. I was quite. I sent a strongly worded email to Squarespace, who doesn't have a helpline. Otherwise, I would have been on that line with giving some choice words to the to the uh, support people over there. Um, but yeah, sorry. Well, hopefully, we'll uh, have it all straightened out here. I think I think they're uh, they're working on it. They've escalated the situation. But uh, just legend to, infiltrating I'm, my golf takes, you know. On to better things, you know, as a Bulls fan, I sit here and, you know, I just wonder how how uh, Cavs fans are doing. What's up with Cavs Nathan for us? Oh, we're doing fine. I mean, it's a crooked Warriors team adding, you know, tipping the balance in just kind of a dishonest way. And it is what it is. You know, we we have our championship after 52 years. I can't complain. We ruined their attempt at 16-0. and 0, And... I saw Sean Martin just uh, tweeted something about 
the Warriors adding Durant is like Rory paying money to play from the white tees, from the forward tees, <laughs> which is a take I didn't know Martin had in him. But I think Rory is like, you know, too much credit because we would have wiped the Warriors out without KD. It's more like, you know, Troy Merritt or somebody paying to play the forward tees. <laughs> Upgrading. It's uh, It'll be an interesting offseason to see what happens. I think in, in the end, it's going to be a bad thing for the NBA. It's going to. I listened to a really interesting Howard Beck, Zach Lowe podcast about how. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, going to hurt the local ratings, and I know I'm like I'm a huge Bulls fan. I'm less interested because we have absolutely no chance of competing. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't fun. I mean, it, I mean, I think that's like a legit, not hot take. You know that there is that's a legitimate concern. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, DJ, what's new in Jacks? You know. Uh, not, not much, not much. I've been, uh, kind of bouncing around a lot. We've been shooting a, uh, series, a travel series for Avis. Uh, so I was out in Denver, uh, with Shane Bacon and hashtag Chad, uh, a couple friends of the pod, uh, shooting some golf travel stuff. And then was in new Orleans last week with bacon and, uh, the takesmith, Sean Martin. So I actually haven't seen, haven't seen much of Jack's recently, but back glad to be back. Uh, it's steamy. Played a little golf today. It was, uh, it was nice and sweaty out there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's significantly warmed up since you guys were here. Uh, it's just beautiful in Chicago. My my depressing low-energy vibes is, are gone, you know. It's, uh, but, you know, speaking of Midwest, you know, weather. Good segue. The, the U.S. <laughs> Open at Aaron Hills, just, just a couple hours north of me. Um, Got a little rain yesterday, and I think uh, a little bit more rain on uh, on the way tomorrow. But uh, here in the course is handling the rain really well. What are you guys uh, most excited about for the week? Brennan, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think just seeing seeing a new venue, like you said, uh, all the natural land movement. I think is the term you you used, and I've heard quite often watching all the coverage. Uh, I think it's always interesting to see a new venue and and the drama that surrounds the u.s open uh i think sometimes it can get a little tedious to watch it which i thought you know to, and, and follow it because it is like you know just par golf or hanging on so i like the drama that surrounds it whether it's rules drama or players screaming about the course and the usga trying to justify the course and i think kind of there's always that uneasiness going into a new venue like this especially after chambers bay it doesn't seem like we're going to approach anything like that but i'm always interested to see players complaining and screaming and yelling and that's that's always of intrigue to someone who thrives off of that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah i think i'm in the same i'm in the same boat i'm i'm most excited about the venue i think just because you know i i have liked a lot of uh what we've seen at the u.s open the last five years or so um I've, we can talk about this later, but I really like Chambers Bay. I thought it was awesome. Um, and I think that this year kind of just feels like the best of, kind of like they, they finally hit like the right formula and kind of the best of a lot of these different things. I think it's like a, you know, a, a unique golf course. It's not necessarily like they're playing it on a, you know, real linksy place, but it's it's got a lot of those kinds of vibes, but with a lot of kind of the soft-ish American kind of, style of golf i don't know it just feels really like it feels like there's a lot of kind of converging trends that really like 
you know, have all kind of met up into this same place this week, which which I'm into. Since both of you guys like yelling, I mean, I think we got to dive right into Fescue Gate 2017. <laughs> I mean, I have never seen grass talk so much about then the last I, I think it's days. one of those I think it's one of those things where it's just a really easy like argument to understand like the rough was there and then they cut it down and so it's like easy for people to talk about and like get really worked up about but you know I know Andy we were talking earlier today like they only cut it on what four holes I mean, Digest devoted a whole reporter to it, (laughs) following around the mowers, and then saying "R.I.P." to the fescue. It's like they they cut like they cut like probably two percent of the total fescue on the golf course, or maybe even less, maybe one percent. I love it. That's what the U.S. is U.S. Open's for. It's just like getting worked up. I wrote something today. I was like, the USGA. The USGA mowed the lawn and everyone lost their mind. That's basically <laughs> it, you know. It's like we talk about grass and like, you know, at Piners we're talking about wire grass and native sandy areas, like all these terms of art that you just never hear the other fifty one weeks of the year. You hear a million times during US Open week and people just start screaming about fescue. It's it's fantastic. Oh man. Fes- I mean the the overspray drama with Shackelford and, and- <laughs> <laughs> like every superintendent weighing in. I mean, it, this it's just been unbelievable. I will say, you know, I did hear some uh, some different uh, some players on Sunday. I was walking around up there, and they were complaining about how thick it was in certain spots. But I mean, what do you? So let's get to it then. Like, what is it too thick? If the fairways are 60 yards wide, like Rory's saying? What's, so, I mean... Here's my issue with it, is that, like, in championship golf, I believe that the further you miss, the more you should be penalized. And in this situation, the thickest rough is the rough right off, like, the primary cutter rough. So five yards off the fairway is the thickest rough. And then yeah. it gets thinner 10 yards in, 15 yards in. So that to me is an issue where if I just barely miss my target, especially if, you know, you're trying to hit it down the left side of the fairway, you miss by 10 yards, you know, you are severely more penalized than somebody that misses by 20 yards. That makes sense. And, and I think that, you know, from everything I've read, I mean, that kind of sounds like it was a mistake if that was the case, right? Like, like they they didn't really want that to to be that way anyways, kind of the way that that turned out. So if that's why they were kind of knocking it down, I think that that's a good move for for what they're doing. I mean, I think that makes sense, but um, I don't think that they would. I don't think they've changed it because people were complaining or anything like that. I mean, no. I, I was pretty no. checked out of Twitter today, but I'm guessing that some people had that take. Who's oh, who? everyone everyone had that take. Brandel. Brandel was on uh, like the coverage tonight, saying like Nah basically caused this. You know, saying <laughs> it was all you know. Kevin Nah is like deserves a byline for this championship from here on out. It's like I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I think <laughs> it was only four holes, but it is like dramatic to see them just wholesale changing the course and hauling away these like truckloads of grass. Who well, so that? Andy, what do you? So what do you think? So go into yeah. your favorite two words uh, with an angles. 
um, you know, when they're moving these pins around and like you're making, you know, you're making one side of the fairway so much more of a premium than the other, you know, how do you, how does that make you feel like, I kind of feel like if you're, if you're really trying to hit the left side of the fairway to get a good birdie chance, bringing that gnarly ass fescue into play is like kind of awesome. Oh yeah, it's totally off. I, I think like you can need to be, but there's enough width at this course, and then the other thing is the natural land movement. I mean, so like there will be there will be sides of fairways that have like severe undulation, and other sides that are you know flatter. So you'll have this risk reward where one side of the fairway isn't necessarily right, and the greens are really big. So you've got these massive greens where a back left pin. And then, uh, and, and you couple that with the five different tees they can play the holes from. And the flexibility is unbelievable here in terms of the ways they can play holes. And, I mean, Spieth hit on it today in his press conference, talking about how it's almost hard <coughs> to prepare because there's so many different ways that the holes can be played. Um, so I think that's one of the cool things. And I think there, I mean, from what I saw when I was out there, there could be as many as three drivable par fours at, and and if they set it up a certain way the second hole the if they play way up on the fourth hole which the fourth hole could be just the ejector hole of all the ejector holes when they put the pin on the right side the green it is so nasty and anybody that shoots at that pin is you know if they don't have a perfect shot they could be playing like ping pong back and forth <laughs> I mean, I, the, one of the caddies I was talking to that, that's from Aaron Hills was like, when the pin's right, you need to aim at the very far left edge of the green and just let it funnel in to the middle. So it's, it's interesting. That'll be, that'll be an interesting hole to watch. Um, and then the, uh, the flexibility you're talking about kind of reminds me of another Midwestern course, uh, Rich Harvest Farms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there are many tee boxes there. There's someone I found, you know, one thing I held back on, you know, I made a truce at the end, I, I made, I, at the end to stop on that golf course. I found an abandoned tee shot, a tee box, and I couldn't figure out where it went. And I, t- I, I, I took a picture, <laughs> but I haven't ever posted it. <laughs> so on, on to, you know, a course of some width and strategy and options. Uh, so do you think do you think those options could you know sometimes USGA tries to get like a little too cute outthinks themselves? Do you think there's too many options to get in trouble? Well, I mean, I think this is what you what you uh, described at the beginning of the the podcast is the beauty of the U.S. Open, like watching the U- USGA like fumble like different things and everybody overreact to everything they do. So this course should set up quite well for that. I mean, but by and large, you know, this fescue gate aside, like, I don't think we've seen, this is an annual thing. Like, whether it was, I don't know, I was looking today at his, like, some of the past posts I've done, like, Lee McCoy, like, dribbling his ball down the fairway at Chambers <laughs> Bay. Remember, it was, like, oh, bouncing awesome. waist high. And, like, uh, Graham McDowell finding, like, fake clumps of grass in the, like, native areas at, uh, Native areas at uh, Pinehurst in 14 is like fake news, fake grass. It's just these big, like huge clumps, like, and just picked it up like it was like a hairball. Uh, there's just like always this social media outroar. And if like the worst we get is like Kevin Na 
yelling into his phone, like then that's not that bad a week. <laughs> who's, I think. Whose well, video is better, Nah or Westwood? <laughs> <laughs> They're both good. I thought not. I'm I'm team Nah. I just, I just loved how you. The last thing you expected was somebody to crawl out of the basket. <laughs> um, maybe the best, uh, the best way I heard this put, I think it was your boy uh, Michael Clayton was talking about it, and like, it, it kind of reminds me of the par <laughs> argument and the fact that par is kind of just a number that people freak out about. But if if this fescue was a water hazard, like literally nobody would even think twice about it or mention it and just the fact that it's not is like you know just makes everybody lose their mind yeah rory said that today it's like if they put you know red stakes and red lines up the side of it like they wouldn't we wouldn't be getting instagram videos about it you know? <laughs> right yeah hey you know if uh golfers like they're gonna complain about something because most of them have so much confidence that like nothing is ever their fault that goes wrong on the golf course so, you know, that's part of why they're the best in the world is that they never hit a bad shot. It's, you know, the USGA's damn fault that the fescue is there. Doesn't that mess you up for, like, the, the whole week, though, if, like, that's what you're focusing on going into the week? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, that could have helped Kevin Na's preparation that, like, all of a sudden he's in on all these headlines. I also think that that was mostly a joke, you know? <laughs> and it probably just got completely misconstrued, as things often do in society today. <laughs> so Kevin Na as like a analogy for all that's wrong with society. I like it, you know. That's Shining good. the light. Yeah. Um so where where do you think like uh I was watching some of like the flyovers and Nablo and stuff like that. And I heard like Bubba drove number two. That sounds like a cool hole. It just seems like there are a lot of options going on. Where do you think it could get away from them? Seems like nine. I'm intrigued by nine. That like wedge shot, if it could get a little crazy, some oh, yeah. of those pin. Nine, nine could be like a double or a six. You know, somebody, somebody can make big numbers there. Um, the par five fourteenth, and then the par four fifteenth, could be big swings. Like I think, the the fourteenth is like a, a longer par five if. For the long hitters, it's a really tough driving hole if you want to hit driver because there's some bunkers that shrink the fairway. And there's a center line bunker, which I love, and it makes, you know, two small fairways. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's like, you know, they basically give you this layup. It's like, you know, a longer hitter will be like a seven iron. Like, you can hit this seven iron here and you have a wedge in, but it's semi blind, you know, or you can go for this crazy shot in two and if you don't hit in the exact right slope everything just funnels like way down to the right and you're left with like this short-sighted pitch shot up a 50-foot mountain um so that hole is really cool and there's some there's some very long fescue that kind of cuts up the uh kind of the middle so some more thick fescue that you could lose a ball in um so that one's really cool, and then 15's that short par four that everybody that they've they've shown a lot of flyovers of, where you've got a lot of bunkers. I, I think I'm guessing most players are going to hit a four iron. Um, I was thinking about writing up a little feature about it. Guessing they'll hit a four iron right, and then just take the free wedge. But you might see some guys, you know, try and drive it depending on where they put the tee. But if I were playing it, I'd just hit 
four iron wedge every day. Yeah, it sounds like I was watching some uh, highlights of the AM, like Cantlay. I guess blew it like he hit an eight iron off of the one of the tee into like a well, I think that center line, one of the bunkers in the middle of the fairway. Like it's sometimes laying up or you know, taking being safe off the tee can get you in trouble. Like he hit an eight iron some ridiculous distance that carried into this fairway bunker. Yeah, that whole that whole like fairway runs really hard to the right, right end of Festo yeah. too. So like yeah. you can hit a good shot. Like I was talking to a player who said, Oh, you can hit a really good shot here and it could still go in the fescue. So I think uh you should I, I think you were talking about it in uh maybe your preview thing, but I think one of the things <laughs> I'm most excited about too are just is all the bunkering and the fact that like there's basically no flat lies out there in a lot of these bunkers, how there's so much slope inside the bunker, which is awesome. I oh, love that. I love I, watching guys hit like weird crouching kind of like uncomfortable shots above their feet shots below their feet like that's uh that's the best and then just seeing how close they put it most of the time like that's awesome yeah there's like like a bunker you know like i've never seen where like you could visibly see like a like almost like when you see like a big hump or a roll in a green you could see these in bunkers so like in the middle of a bunker there are sometimes like a uphill and, a, and downhill undulation right in the middle of it. Um, so, so that, that's kind of interesting. I think a lot of the bunkers also, um, like, especially with the fairway ones that are less penal, the closer you are to the fairway. So the further you miss into them to the right, the more penal they get, which is really cool. I, I think that's a interesting, unique little design twist for championship golf. Um, where they get a little bit tougher the further you get into the, the bunker. So it, it, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think the, the course is going to stay pretty firm and fast from what I've gathered. It, it's drained really well. The greens still have a lot of bite after a good amount of rain. And, uh, you know, I think that's the, the only concern I would have is if it, if it rains too much that, the, that it softens up because then it will really kind of reduce. I think it's unbelievable design because short hitter short straight hitters legitimately have a chance everybody just looks at the yardage but it plays so short um not like so short but it does not play long it's a lots of downhill tee shots can i ask you would you rather yeah would you rather get a ton of rain uh and not have it play firm and fast or have phil play (laughs) it's either or i'd rather have phil play i mean that's i'd you love firm and fast though oh i no no i'd rather have firm and fast i thought the the question was like i i oh i misunderstood the question i thought it was it was it was gonna rain or phil was gonna play and it was one or the other yeah no it's the same thing oh i'm just an idiot See. No, it's okay. It was a very complex question. <laughs> far too much for my brain to understand. Um I'd I'd rather have it be firm and fast than Phil play. Yeah. I'm gonna get lit up about this. But that's all right. Just gives Ernie my boy Ernie another chance to catch Phil on the career majors list. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, but what you were saying is uh I found it interesting reading your uh your like primer of the course basically. Um 
seemed like a voice in the wilderness all alone talking about how you didn't necessarily think, you know, like every, everyone keeps saying bomber's paradise, lawn hitter, lawn hitter, lawn hitter. You're more of like, hey, like the uneven lies might make this more like it might be more of like the best approach game is the people that win it and the short and straight guys can still hang. I think I think like any U.S. Open, you have to hit the ball really well to win. Like almost any golf tournament, you have to hit the ball well to win. I think what you'll see is like I would look at guys that are high on strokes gained that aren't necessarily long. You know, like Bubba's always in the top five because he just hits it so far. But find find guys that drive it really well who are also really good iron players. Um, Because you see it at, at, at Augusta, you know, like Spieth plays so well there because he's so good at hitting off uneven lies. Yeah, uh, and I I I like that about Spieth this week is that because it's a little wider, it lets more drivers into it. You know, like that that's another aspect of it. I I think is is going overlooked because it's a little wider. It, you know, like when the fairway's twenty yards wide, everybody's going to miss fairways, and that's what kills the short hitters is when they're hitting out of rough. You know, and they're not hitting it out of the fairway. Is and that's why U.S. Opens typically don't, you know, short hitters don't win them because everybody misses five fairways. Like, you know, like a short but really good driver of the golf ball could hit fourteen of fourteen fairways here. Like, and that that's legitimately in play for anybody that drives the ball well. So from there, you can attack and you can play well. Like, I mean, it, 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 I think the wind is really going to be the big question. Like, if the wind blows, that's when scores will go up. But if it doesn't blow. You know, like early morning rounds are going to, you know, the draw. It, it, it's going to play more like a uh, a British Open where, you know, a uh, or an Open Championship where the, the draw could be a legitimate factor. That's what I think I was saying at first is like it's kind of this like confluence of all these factors that are like the best parts of, of all the other majors almost. And it, it seems like we're going to get like a lot of them this week uh, all in one, which is really cool. Yeah, Spieth, Spieth said that exact thing at his uh, Kapalua, the home of Rolf, uh, press <laughs> conference at the uh, top of the year. He's like, I succeed at Augusta, I succeed at the uh, plantation course, I think because, you know, I think a lot of the modern players, the guys coming up, don't really hit it as well off different eyes and on even terrain as well as I do, which is weird for a Texas player to say, you think, but. Um, yeah, he said that at the top of the year. So maybe maybe he's the guy to go for this week. I'm going to slide in and take the speed pick first before yeah. anybody else says it. Uh, Damn it. I, I, I put it in that course thoughts. I just I put a gif of speed just... Saw it. I think that that's like the one of the best design tricks of how to really create difficulty for the great player without you know stressing out the average player what other courses are like that besides those those two come to mind but i'm just um william flynn did a lot on his courses so uh cherry hills um there's a course i played of his rolling green that like you're never hitting off a an even lie and it always seems to be like a, a a fade lie to hit into a draw green and it just drives you drives you nuts but what it does is it really separates the great ball strikers so i'm you know sitting there hitting high fans into draw pins and 
grinding for pars, but like somebody that's really good is just hitting them right at the pin still. So I think, um, you know, you got Kapalua, you have to have some land movement to do it. It's hard to do it with a dead flat site, and, and this place has, just, I guess, the story of it being like some sort of glacier. I'm sure somebody's going to do, you know, one of these telecasts. Gla- the glaciers. Yeah, the glacial <laughs> movement and blockage or whatever happened here. You yeah. Know, it was an interesting study. Uh, you know, we've we've now talked touched a little bit on Spieth, but you know, I think something that's an interesting narrative that's going on is that McElroy has been kind of stuck at five majors, and you've got this whole, and he's got the you know the stranglehold on generations' best player of this post Tiger generation, but you've got all these other guys that are lurking that could go on a run and and get to him because of this you know, almost three-year stall he's had now. So, you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think about, you know, some other, some of the other big guns and, you know, who who could be the guy that could could get close to his major count. I mean, I think that, like, I think Spieth is the guy in my head, but, of course, that's, I'm saying that as, you know, Dustin Johnson's the number one player in the world who looks pretty much unbeatable uh, every time he has teed it up over the past year or so here, but... I mean, I think Spieth is the guy that, like, in my mind, I think when I was watching him in 2015 or even before that, probably, like, kind of when he was a rookie, I mean, it it's easy to get sucked into the narrative of kind of like, oh, he's just, he makes every putt and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I, I think when you get sucked into that, you kind of start to think, like, okay, well, that's going to, that's going to dry up eventually. And, like, he's going to, he's going to kind of drop off. And, I think what we've seen just over the past few years is people have gotten deeper into his game and just watched him more closely and watch him when he struggles more importantly and watch him when he plays well. It's that like, that's not the case and that he is like an all world ball striker too. And like, I think what I see from him, I mean, I don't know. He just makes me excited about the fact that he contends at like, he's contends at every venue. He kind of like, just has all these different ways to get it done. And like, that is, I think that's what impresses me the most, but you know, I don't know. I I think just the fact that he's got what, 10 years on Dustin Johnson, nine years, something like that is the fact that makes me lean towards him. But I think I'm just like freakish, you know, talent of like being able to just kind of take over for a decade. Like Dustin's the guy that has the, the tools to do that. But I don't know. It's kind of a rambling answer. I think. Uh, I mean, he's got. He's got to get. Or, Bri- or Bryson. <laughs> the IPs. Uh, the Shangelo. <laughs> he's definitely gets the most airtime over anybody. Uh, I think you know he's at zero right now, but doesn't Rom got to be thrown into this from what we've seen so far with like. You know, like DJ was just talking about different styles. He he handled himself fine at Colonial or whether it's, you know, Austin or Torrey. It kind of doesn't matter where he plays. Uh, putting, driving, you know, iron game seems to be pretty solid through the bag. You know, it's just, yeah. it's kind of, I, I think like he's someone, if you're Rory, you might be, you know, thinking like that's the guy for the next era. It's hard to argue with DJ. Uh, Dustin Johnson, that is, um, being, I think, the most immediate threat. But there's that age thing. Like, he just seems 
DJ seems like the guy who could win, you know, a major every year for four straight years, you know, at least get one a year. And, but I think like Rom is the kind of the, the biggest threat right now. He would, he would, he would scare me if I was looking for a guy to dethrone Rory, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I now that you you've touched into Rom, so do do you put him as you know the next first time major? I mean, even though I asked this really because a uh, Japanese reporter sat in that press room all day and asked the same question to every player, you know, asking if Hideki could win this week. All of them said yes. So yes, I, kind of... I love that. I love that the question was always. Do you think the number four player in the world could win this week? Yeah, it's not like some nuanced thing. It's just like, can he win? Is he okay at golf? He's number I wish, four in the world. I wish that golf would get some sort of like performance artist up there <laughs> that would just like basically lean into all this stuff and kind of have like a handshake agreement with every other player that like just so you know like I'm I'm just messing with you guys. I'm just kind of spewing this off. But like when somebody asks that question. Do you think he can win? Just say, you know, no, I don't. I don't think he has what it takes. I, I think he's destined for just a life of you know, just miserable shortcoming. Next, next question. Uh, but until that day comes, I guess we'll have to keep suffering the same, uh, the same pointless hypotheticals. The monotony. It's yeah. uh, the the whole so, press conference thing needs a, a major shakeup. I'm so out of it. Oh, I, 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 like, I parked on the couch today and just watched the whole cycle. I was having a field day with it. But I'm very kind of like deep in the game, just know who's asking the questions and kind of having fun with the the bias and fake news angles of some of these guys are throwing out there. It's I mean, pretty, pretty interesting. You had the Japanese woman asking about if Hideki could win, and then you had another guy asking about Wisconsin culture every single time like tell me about what you think about wisconsin people you know like and it's just like, was, uh, you're all just writing a story and getting these quotes for this story it's like that's this... that's the bad part is is having the story 90 percent written and just saying like okay cool i just need some quotes i can plug into these holes it's like i mean that's i don't know i guess that's how you gotta like, do it on deadline i know a lot of times but like it, it's just that's how you wind up with these like milk toast kind of <laughs> You know, like asking, asking Rory about Wisconsin, he's like, I don't know. It's a state. And I've been here a couple times to play golf. Like, I can't. What insight can he actually The people provide? are nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, I think, you know, with the NBA, how they have, like, a ref score, you know, and, and people get graded yeah. on their, like, I think that should be the same way for media, you know? <laughs> when you write My favorite some, moment. Something that's dumb. Moment of the day. You ask a dumb question. <laughs> out <laughs> my Death favorite panels. was uh i was watching adam scott and i think somebody from the australian press i don't know who like asked him like you know said he was almost he'd be almost unbeatable right he's let's just let him right into it because like if you make a couple putts you're almost unbeatable right so what's scott supposed to say like yes i am unbeatable i don't know you know it's just you know pretty leading question it's uh well, before we got sidetracked. Yeah. So, well, we're, so, talking about, we're talking about Rom. Yo, well, let's say next guy. Who do you guys think next guy to win a major of this of this young crop? I'm going to leave my boy, Westy, who's going to get it done this week, out of it. But everybody else, the, you know, the younger guys, 
who who's going to get it done first? You know, JT, Ricky, Rom, uh, Hideki, um, Stricker. <laughs> uh, I'll, you, I'll said stick with, short, you said short straight hitters this week. It's good short games. That's true. I'm I'm sticking with Rom. Just I know that's like we just went over it, but he seems like the most uh, unburdened by things. I don't know if it's like just you know culture change. He doesn't I, you know it seems he seems pretty embedded in American culture, I should say. But like I don't know. It just this is kind of just looking at intangibles and you know trying to discern something that may not be there but he just doesn't seem burdened by the same kind of like hype and pressure and it just doesn't seem to affect him in a way that some of the other young major list guys look like they start clenching up yeah i think i i agree i think my my power rankings i think would be like rom ricky matsuyama i think um and matsuyama last just because I, I don't know. What I mean, about like, JT? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I I keep I keep riding my uh, uh, JT and Jimmy Walker have the same game narrative, That's so which uh, you think is a bad take. <laughs> so uh, horrible. They couldn't. I don't know. Like Jimmy Walker is the guy that like grind his way to the PGA Tour at age thirty-two, and I'd say they have the same heart. They have the same twenty-one. This is what happens when all my takes get bastardized because you're not listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so, but Masuyama, I think the knock on him is always his putting and like, you know, if he puts, he's one of those guys that like can finish first or second with kind of negative strokes gain putting. This happened a couple times and like, um, I don't know. I mean, I think these majors just like completely expose that in every way. So I think him winning, you know, at Phoenix is a lot different than him winning at Aaron Hills, feels like. That's that's a good point. I uh, who's your, how's that for who's your that guy? Okay, take. Who's your guy, Andy? I'm I'm He's all just checking in him on. from the cheap seats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in on the Make thumb. Stand. I'm all in on the thumb long term. <laughs> um, that's John Rom for those of you not in the know. For the uninitiated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'd say I'd say Rom for like the long term arc. I think I kinda I kinda like Ricky. Even I'm not I'm not a huge Ricky uh fanboy, but I, I just love the way he's playing this year. Like the thing that he's done so well this year is putt. And I know everybody says putting doesn't matter. But it, it, he's having like the best year of his career and he's like top five or ten in strokes game putting after being 40th or something like that the year before and you know if you chart it out that's the one thing that's really taken a big jump and he's been I feel like he's been in the hunt at every big golf tournament that he's played in so I I think I think Ricky is most likely I I wouldn't be surprised if Ron won though you know like he's you can't like people are like yeah I don't think you'd be surprised by any of these guys I had somebody chirping at me about not having Rom in my sleepers article, and I'm like, <laughs> "It's like the number nine player in the world." Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's like. Hey, it's... Can we talk about another sleeper real quick, uh, Rory? <laughs> um, no, 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 just real quick. So, like, we you're talking about how he's been stuck or whatever on five. Chambly was also saying before I came over here to to this pod. 
that like this is his best opportunity to win since like the 15 uh open at St. Andrews which you know he didn't play because of that kickabout um <laughs> what what do you, do you think like obviously Quill Hall is going to be a big opportunity like do you think he's like got to do this this week and or and or August it seems like I don't know the farther you get out does that just kind of amplify what do you think DJ uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's his, uh, I don't know, expectations. I mean, like the cliche is going to be the expectation is to win every week. But like at the same time, he hasn't played what in like six weeks because he's yeah. been hurt. I mean, I don't I don't think he's going to be like win or die this week. I don't think by any stretch. Yeah. But I mean, I think that I see what you're saying that like if, you know, he keeps going to he keeps going to all these uh, these venues where everybody's saying like you should win, right? You should win, you should win. And he goes to the Masters and they're like, why don't you win here? This is crazy. But like, eventually that has to it, it has to kind of feel like you've never done it before after after so long. I mean, if he gets to you know if he gets to the 2019 U.S. Open or whatever, and he hasn't won a you know he hasn't I guess it'd be the PGA the 2019 PGA, and he hasn't won in five years. Like five years is a long time. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I do think he'll he'll get one of these before then. But I think if he doesn't, like, yeah, I think what you're saying is is got to be a factor that like it it's got to kind of start to creep in. I think I think the other thing that goes unnoticed, it doesn't get talked about that much, is like how much better the depth of talent is now than when it was, like even three years ago. Jordan Spieth yeah. was, you know. <clears throat> just getting started like Dustin Johnson wasn't this Dustin Johnson Jason Day wasn't this Jason Day Hideki Matsuyama wasn't here and you still have Adam Scott Sergio all these guys playing at a high level Westwood (laughs) all right that's the last one I'm gonna I promise I won't do that again but you have all these guys that are still uh still playing at like a high level that are that generous Justin Rose um, and it, we're in this era where, like, it, it's really, really, really hard to win well, a major. Well, go back to, like, I mean, who was the last kind of, like, quote-unquote dud major winner? It just, like, it just doesn't happen. Like, it, uh, it's not like you're going to... Danny Willis just playing himself. Yeah, but, I mean, he that. was still, like, number 15 in the world or something like that when he won. I mean, he's he's super good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I get what you're saying, but, like... You know, when was the last, like, I'm trying to think, you know, Darren Clark is not, like, swooping in and winning another major right now, or anybody, or, like, you know, who who else kind of before that? I mean, even, I, I don't know, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I know we went through a stretch where it was kind of, like, it was Keegan, and it was Webb, and it was some of these guys that, like, kind of looked like they would be around forever, and, you know, it just pans out that, like... Duffner was in there. Yeah. yeah. He's got a good shot this week, actually, though. Yeah, I think so too. Um, But the point being, like, for any of those guys to win outside the top 10, now, I mean, this is like the most obvious statement ever, but like, for any of those guys to win, I mean, you've got to be, this goes into a whole other thing that, like, you can kind of extrapolate out uh, on the whole Tiger thing as well. (laughs) But you didn't think we were going to bring him up, but uh, (laughs) you you can bring out with Tiger too, is like, in order for like anybody who says like oh I think he can get it back and he can win a major it's like okay cool that sounds great uh, but just FYI like he's got to beat Ricky and Dustin and Jason Day and Rom and Rory and Spieth and Adam Scott and Justin Rose like 
all of these guys like on the same week. Like yeah. it's just so crazy to think about it like that. I think I think that this brings up you know so you have your young guys that are trying to get their first, and then you've got this this kind of class class of superstar that are kind of you know that somewhat have separated themselves just because of this one major you know um, where you have you know in Spieth has two, but all these other guys have one, but have shown like I think DJ uh, Spieth um, Day and Rory. Those four have shown that they can dominate golf for like an eighteen month stretch, which right. nobody nobody else has been able to do. Um, and then then on the other side of the spectrum, you have these guys that played in the shadow of Tiger, where you have Sergio, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, um, you know Jim Furyk to a certain extent, all who have one major. And like you know the the when you think about remembering players, you have you know, one major guys to two major guys. And that's that's a big difference, or three major guys. So, like, you know, who of that group could you see getting one more major and maybe one this week? I mean, Adam Scott's, like, the, the main one that sticks out, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sergio's probably a pretty easy answer there. I mean, I just, I think he's still, like, on, you know. Does it feel like that was, like... <laughs> five years ago that he won the masters yeah i wrote that i actually wrote that today i was like it, it feels like yeah five I, years ago i don't know if i've ever seen like a master's champion seemingly fly under the radar yeah yeah right, yeah, right now it, I don't especially know. at like a better fitting golf course right like, yeah right. uneven lies like it, yeah. it's like it is is made like that's a guy that that if you look at strokes gain driving you know he can rip it far but for the most part he's so such a great driver that he has the ball on the string you know mm-hmm. he he might not miss a fairway for you know he could probably go 27 holes without missing a fairway out here um which is interesting but you know it's because steve stricker is eating up all the headlines <laughs> i hope he plays well this week that'd be so fun I'm I'm kind of yeah. on team uh, Niebrugge this week. The other I, mean, Wisconsin. I, was, I wanted to I wanted to ask you that. Um, just kind of there's like a pretty strong am crop here this week. You know between whatever Dalkey and uh, Big Hag and Slenderman, you know, McNeely and I I don't know. I heard this Niebrugge's like you know knows the course better than everybody anybody else. It sounds like and has well, won Niebrugge. and played there. So it seems like you think AMs could I don't know not win it, but there Nibirugi. seems like there's a lot of firepower. Nibirugi's Nibirugi's a pro he now. was in like the last group at the end. Or at, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Nibirugi's a pro. Yeah, right. He's but, on McKenzie tour, right? Yeah, he won on the McKenzie tour two weeks ago, and then uh, or no, he came in second to McCoy when he won. But yeah. uh, he yeah, came in right. six. He could. I mean, he could play well. I you know you never know. But I I mean he was a two time Walker cover, but the. Um, the AMs are incredible. Joaquin Neiman, this kid from yeah. Philly, he's the new number one in the world amateur. Um, you know, he overtook uh, McNeely, who you know, I, you know, if you look, if I rated out the amateurs, like I, I think McNeely would probably be like four or five on the list, which is crazy because yeah, he's like you know the the golden boy, um, but like you know the a couple that. Will won't get a lot of headlines. Are John Oda from UNLV, 
who's going to definitely be on the Walker Cup team, and uh, Cameron Champ, who I guess, I don't know if this is a fit, he's transferring from to Texas A&M to Texas. Uh, Breaking year. news. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not sure if it's, if it's been reported, but... It's going to be a message board war. Yeah. Tech <laughs> Orange bloods. Podcast is going to get tons of hits at minute 40 or whatever it is. But he... Uh, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, your account's going to be hacked by Big Aggie. Uh, going to take a break from the Tom Herman recruiting trail to get on Andy. Kyle Porter might be, you know, diving in from Oklahoma State. You know, there might be some golf fans on there. <laughs> and Sooner Nation just... Or not, uh, and Cowboy Nation coming at me. But uh, he, uh, the thing about Champ, he he murders the ball, like he hits it forever. So that's a that's a guy that, you know, one day somebody will see how far he hits it and it'll go viral on, on Twitter. You know, yeah. whoa, he hit it three hundred and eighty yards. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, just slip in and mention. I want to get your reaction to your boy Tom Peters this week. Heard his name bandied about a little bit. You know, I, I he didn't he just didn't come. I, I don't know why. I just didn't didn't get on him this week. Paulie's been giving me a lot of shit about not being being banging the Thomas Peters drum, and I don't know why I'm not. He's a great great driver, hits it forever, and awesome with the irons. So yeah, I mean, like, but nah, who's gonna who's gonna be lower on it this week? Corrupted by the Blade Collar Mafia, though, fortunately. <laughs> that could be, you know, he, he might have gotten too mainstream for me. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, low and Lini is going to be Peters. Yeah. I think there's only two, right? Stricker and uh, him. Probably. I think so. You know what bugs me about Stricker? I like the guy. I love him. He went to it's about some About time somebody goes off on this guy. <laughs> He went to. He went to. You're Illinois. just the guy to do it. Well, he went to Illinois, but every time you see him in pictures, he's wearing like a Wisconsin gear. It's like, yeah. what the hell, man? You didn't go to Wisconsin. You went to Illinois. The regular. It's a very Zach Johnson move. He didn't go to. He didn't go to Iowa. <laughs> I uh, side note. I did a radio interview with a with an Iowa radio station today, and like <laughs> just we're d- hitting the usual, wow. you know. You know, DJ, Speed, you know, all this stuff. Rory, how's everybody going to do? And they sign off, and they ask me, like, about Zach Johnson and how, he, <laughs> how he's been, like, struggling, why we think he's struggling, and with this new equipment. I was like, man, I don't have notes on Zach Johnson. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just threw some cliches. I just got – I usually handle these radio things fine, but, oh, threw me for a loop. All right, back to your stricter beef with – with no, that's Madison. it. That's right. it. But yeah, then Illinois will be playing uh, Wisconsin, and he's wearing like Wisconsin stuff, and you're like, "What the hell, dude?" Yeah, that's crooked. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, it's about time. for that. <laughs> Wait, take a stand. Take a stand. Stand uh, up to Stricker. All right, let's get into some. Uh, Twitter questions here. We got a ton of good ones. You know, we'll we'll stick away from uh, stay away from the ones that are directed at the spicy curmudgeon, unless we <laughs> just want poor F to sit in and answer them as if he was Tron. 
I don't think it's possible for anyone to be a proxy for Tron. <laughs> Heavy lies the crowd. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Geronimo Jackson wants to know, is the USGA woke? <laughs> uh, I feel like, I, I don't I don't know. I, we haven't talked about this one. I don't know where you guys are going to fall on this, but I'll kick it off and say that I think they are woke. Um, some of this, of course, probably depends on your definition of the word, but in my definition, I think it's, it's, uh, I think you look at kind of their body of work. I think what they did with Chambers Bay recently, I think what they did, what they kind of, you know, what they pulled off with Pinehurst, I think what they're doing with Aaron Hills, I think from a, uh, from a just different kind of venue, um, I think they're way woker than the public is ready for. And so I think you saw a lot of backlash, which I loved. All the, like, this golf course is brown. Some of that coming from uh, the current president of the United States. Um, <laughs> people not understanding, like, the motives behind something. That's, like, the wokest thing there is. When, like, somebody doesn't understand your art, I think is great. Um, I think sometimes they're woke and not woke at the same time. Uh, I think you look at their handling of the Jungle Bird situation. Uh, <laughs> you know, which... On one, on one hand, you know, belittling uh, the uh, forest, you know, forestation of the rainforest uh, is un, very unwoke. But at the same time, Mike Davis actually being the guy who yanked him off camera when I think when you're when your head honcho is also strong arming people, uh, I think that's very woke. Literally, um, woke. yeah, just super woke. I think that. Uh, Man, what else? I mean, I think the anchored the anchored putter decision was pretty unwoke. Uh, that wasn't the consequent that the ball and distance hasn't increased was extremely not but, woke. Yeah, but some of it's so not woke that it might be woke. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like when you said, "If if nobody stinks, does everybody stink?" <laughs> I think the spicy curmudgeon said that. <laughs> so. All right, I, I'm I'm not gonna back that up. Do you do you have anything uh, behind? You know, I, I feel like DJ really has yeah. uh, has dove into that. Wow, undisputed. Yeah, wokeness aficionado. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think All they're right. I think they're woke. I got a a great question from Joe Mayberry for 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 Porath here. Um, early bets on how many awful versions of red white and blue apparel we see this week oh it's already out you know it's just these it's so heinous it's so wrong it's like just kind of like you know they're trying to appeal this you know this low-hanging fruit and it's just really this i don't know it's this base and kind of i don't know really discouraging you know, false sense of patriotism. It's just like an easy sell for commercial reasons. You know, it's just everybody's got to release the bag. Everybody's got to release the shoes, the outfits. You know, why, why Why? does Sergio have to be in red, white, and blue? He's from Spain. I mean, I know he's, you know, big Texas now. He's like big tax or whatever. But, you know, I don't understand why we got to drape Sergio in red, white, and blue. It's just this like... <laughs> commercial kind of 
you know, hollow commercial attempt at, you know, trying to cap- capture on people's patriotism. Uh, yeah, I don't like the brands getting involved in my issues. Right. Exactly. You know? Keep your keep your brands off my issues. Let it be an organic <laughs> organic decision to represent yourself. Patriotic. Yeah. Right. I wish players still picked what they wore. You know, like who'd be wearing the blade collar voluntarily? No, I got a buddy. I got a buddy that just Jason bought one. Day loves it. Jason Day would do that. Your buddy loves it? He loves it. Yeah, we make fun of him constantly. He played golf with Tron the other day, and Tron just mercilessly was like, dude, the blade collar's got to go. He's like, no, it's good. He just kept popping Tron right back in the face about it. It was was admirable. (laughs) Actually, the blade collar is good. (laughs) All right. Here's here's another question from Will Knights. What is more likely, Kuchar snakes his way to a top 10 in a major that doesn't suit his game, or an actual snake attacks Kevin Na. Yeah, a lot of moving parts on that one. I, I will say this. I'm surprised that a snake didn't attack Kevin Na when he spent like an hour making a 19 in San Antonio that one year. 16, I believe. What was uh, uh what what about the golf course doesn't fit Kuchar's game? I, yeah, I was I gonna ask that. I think it's in, in a major. Like I actually like when I, I think he was just this, going heavy on the snake pun there. I yeah. think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I respect. <laughs> trying to fit, trying to shoehorn his narrative into you know yeah. question. I actually think Kuchar is a guy that that could play well. When yeah, you why not? Right, like a shorter hitter that hits it really straight and is a really good iron player. Like that is him. Cooch might be might be uh, somebody that's really flying under the radar. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, whose career, Steve Stricker or Jim Furyk? Oh man, who who did this question come from? Ken Ryan from Milwaukee. Sure. Oh well, that's what—that's oh, what I was, was going to get at because I was like, I don't—I don't think that this is this doesn't this feels like a very biased question. Uh, I don't even think it's close, right? Like, oh, FedEx Cup and Fury seven and six at least. Uh, all right, all right. Here's a good one, and I and promise I wouldn't, I wouldn't don't let the biases show through. I, I wouldn't bring this up. I promised earlier, but this question is so good from the tour saucy air. How many putts inside three feet will Westy miss? Ooh, well, that's the thing. If if they get some rain, maybe the maybe some of that spice will be taken out of the greens. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've I'll whatever it is, I'll take the over, whatever <laughs> whatever the number is. I've I'll let you set it, but I'm I'm going to take yeah. the over. I'm going to say he's going to have. He's going to have a great week. He's going to have less than four misses, less than one around. Yeah. Um, I just remember cool. watching him last last year with DJ, who's just like a fan. Him and like <laughs> Billy Foster were just there to like run interference with the USGA. Like, his, I mean, he was ejected by like the seventh hole. So it literally served no purpose out there. He's like a marker. Just running interference on the USGA. I felt bad for him. You know, I I uh, I've was... got some very incriminating uh, text from Andy that I'm going to roll out when the time is appropriate. 
feels kind of like the like the Comey t- the alleged Comey tapes. I'm going to roll them out there right at the right time. So you guys follow me on Twitter at DJ Pie if you want to see some of this stuff come out. He's not always cracked, and he's not always cracked up to be. You know, I was uh, I was rolling through last year's open on Wikipedia, and and it had like you know the, all the leaders cards, and at the bottom it was Westwoods, and it it was just it was ugly to look at, but. I really think Westwood could play well here, you know? I actually, I think he will too, actually. I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. If I Again, gonna, the point still stands that, like, I don't, do not see a universe in which he wins, but I do think he'll play well. Yeah. You know, so we got our, uh, we'll kick off overrated, underrated. We got our first uh, write-in. And back to Westwood, I was already on to this, but maybe a 36-hole... Uh, leader bet would be good for Westwood. Yeah, totally. But again, that's not the point. That's not what started this whole thing. Like, I think uh, he could take the 36-hole lead at every tournament he plays. <laughs> that's not the issue. Uh, you keep ducking the the real issue. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. <laughs> we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Overrated, underrated. And uh, Barry W., Coming in hot with a write-in overrated, underrated. I love that, you know? The, N- the NLU merch czar. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he wants to know the USGA, overrated, underrated. Ooh, well, I'm going to go back to my original point and say underrated. I think they. I think there's a lot of... Look, they... they in a tournament that should be, like, one of the least exciting, you know, just based on kind of, like fireworks and and uh you know fun stuff happening on the golf course it should kind of be the least exciting thing and it's always like the most exciting week it's <laughs> awesome. and i think that's because of them i think yeah i think they know what they're doing as as someone who bathes himself in content every day it's good for good for content you know they just one week a year you can't take this every week but i think they know what they're doing underrated all right, and then uh, he he wrote he gave us a bunch of them here. Okay, great. All right, the thumbs nickname. <laughs> Und- very underrated. Drastically <laughs> underrated. The thumbs chance. Shout out! Shout out to Big Randy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, and the thumb is John Rom for anybody that's made it this far that doesn't know who the thumb is. It's the stroke of genius by Big Randy. The thumbs chances this week. Can John Rom win? It was a joke. Okay. Yes, he could. He could definitely win. Are they overrated uh, or underrated? I'm going to say slightly overrated, and I'm going to say that because, like, I I know he won at Torrey Pines, and so I mean, it's it's not like he's, you know, not going to win. But the last couple times I think he's gotten in contention, he's gotten a little he's been running a little too hot i think and he just like it's been kind of a bad look uh yeah no lineup.com yeah his thoughts well, on uh, the, the central ohio fitness regimen he's not a fan <laughs> and that was even on like thursday i mean like at uh even at yeah. like uh the match play where like he looked like he couldn't lose he came out in that match against dj and just like pressed way too hard or something and just was making these mistakes he wasn't making all week I think that yeah. stuff just like takes time to get comfortable with. I'm sure. Yeah, 
I agree. Some somewhat. Yeah. I don't know. I think he he hits it so good and drives it so well and puts pretty well and hits iron so well. It's you know, like he's it's gonna be a very rare week when he's not in contention, you know. Yeah. Um Let's see, uh I think the big thing with Rom is starting to cash in more, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's still so young. And then uh you know, I came up with some overrated and underrated moving on from from Big Bear. Right. From the freelance. <clears throat> Brats. Ooh. Just bratwurst? Yeah. Underrated. Overrated. Think, you think overrated? Yeah, I think I think like the ratio of finding a good brat, like when you find a good one that's been cooked properly for long, low and slow, it's like, you know, it exceeds anything else that you, you know, could do on a grill. But like, it's so rare to find them. I think it's just a lot of riffraff too often. Overrated. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that's that's a, that's, a, that's a fair take. I'm still gonna say underrated. I think that a lot of people uh, poo-poo them uh, a little bit too much without really giving them the due course, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan. Um, we'll go with, uh, I, I would say with brats, I'm going to go with, um, my uncle, if he was listening to this, he would hate it, but I'm going to say they're overrated. You know, I, it could be my proximity to the Wisconsin border, but you know, like, (laughs) you know, I was at Aaron Hills on Sunday and you know, this, this, very, very nice Wisconsin volunteer, like, rolled up on me and was like, you got to try one of these brats. They're the best things ever, you know? It's, you know, I noticed that with a lot of things. Have you ever noticed how people, like, will just be like, this is the best burger ever, or this is the best red wine ever? It's like, what does that even mean? It's like yeah. people have no capacity for context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the I, best? Uh, what's the, what's the best Wisconsin thing? Uh, See in general, I love Wisconsin. By the way, I'm like, I, I'm in. I'm in. Vacation there Wisconsin. more than anywhere else. Oh, way in Wisconsin. Yeah, I'd I like think... a little microbrew up there, Miller Light. <laughs> yeah, fan. totally. Like it's I'm just totally, totally underrated. It's got there's name a, straight, you know. Uh, there's I'll a mass produced beer. Blue ribbon, uh, blue ribbon award winner that comes out of there that I really like too. <laughs> Let me tell you, drinking in Milwaukee, like going to Milwaukee for a night out, if if yeah. like you're looking for somewhere that you can just go have a great time, Milwaukee. Oh, it's awesome. My my brother went to Marquette. We've done that plenty of times. It's great. <laughs> Heard great things. Yeah. Um, to to yeah. go out, that's might be one of the best things about. Wisconsin, but their their golf is really good too. Very, yeah. very, very underrated. The thing is, is that everybody looks at you know Aaron Hills and now uh, Sand Valley and Kohler, but Lasonia is like the, yeah. the hidden gem of the of the golf world. It's like this fantastic golden age uh, golf course that is just so good and. For some reason, it's probably because they don't pay any magazine to cover them, but they just go unnoticed, like, and they get overlooked. Time effort is so good, you know. I'd rather play, subtweet there. I'd rather play there <laughs> than w- Whistling Straits. Yeah, 
So that's my uh, that's my Wisconsin delight. Lasonia is the most underrated thing about Wisconsin. Great. Um, you guys got any overrated, underrated? Can I, I throw this out... great list? Can I throw it out there? Because yeah. this is like, you know, the week of uh, Pro Tracer. Pro Tracer, overrated or underrated? Actually, sorry. It's now Top Tracer. I don't know if you knew that. They're, they're right. in bed with... Purchased the technology. Yeah, in bed with big uh, parlor games. Top Golf. <laughs> top Tracer. Man, overrated that, or underrated? that just might have swayed my answer. Uh... <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, that's right. Or no, Tron's the one that hates Top Golf. Uh, I'm, I've, so this is one of those things that, like, I think you know everybody has a, a tendency to like freak out about, you know, to kind of latch on to this one thing and just adopt it as like their their rallying cry, you know. And I I feel like Pro Tracer kind of seems like that, where everybody like it, it's something that you know people start talking about and then everybody just loses their shit about like, Oh, we need it more. We need it more. We need it more. Yeah. And it like, seems like it loses its punch, but it, I totally disagree. And I think we do need it more. And I literally can't get enough. Like it, it just, bacon was talking about it last week. And I mean, it's, it's like watching, uh, I mean, it'd be like watching football, like without the first down line when you could have it like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? it's like totally changes everything. And like, it changes everything for the announcers. It changes everything for like, you know, rather than just like kind of watching the ball, like shoot out to the right of the player because the cameraman's kind of slightly to the right. Like, you know, it just gives the whole thing just so much more depth and context. Like the perfect example was Dustin last year on 18, his second shot that he hit, like as soon as it left the club face like you knew it was right at the flag and then you're just like it, there's just that much more anticipation building because you know it's going right at it rather than like you know just kind of waiting to guess and go into the wide shot and just kind of seeing where it lands like i don't know again rambling answer but like uh, i'm all in underrated somehow it's underrated until they start putting on chips <laughs> that's fair that's fair. Yeah, I, you know what's, you with, know what's underrated? Speaking of uh, putting on chips, was Golf Channel would do the? I think it was like it was sponsored by one of the financial advisory firms, like whoever has the green line, so like TD Ameritrade or something. Yeah, one of those. And yeah. they were doing for like a long time. They were doing like the putt projection line. I remember that. Like before yeah. they putted, that was the coolest. That's like the coolest <laughs> aspect of the broadcast. It never gets used anymore. And just like watching the ball, like actually follow that line, and like as soon as it wavers from it, it misses. Like that was awesome. I love that. I'm with you. It's underrated. It's just like a ubiquitous and obvious take that you know kind of you know ruins it for everybody. But yes, you can never have enough of it. It's I great. think without a, without the without all the content about it, it would be you know right. so much more underrated about it. Yeah, this is my first Fox broadcast i'll watch i'm pretty pumped to see it i'm really pumped yeah bacon was was telling us about all the tricks uh they got up their sleeve it's gonna be gonna be really cool what a what a company man just just pumping that's, pumping influencers like dj pie up <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right exactly you know i'm like one of his surrogates <laughs> <laughs> just just sitting here spewing the fox message 
No, it's going to be great, man. That was like one of those, uh, yeah, it was what, kind of the thing everybody lost their mind about the first the first year was like, you know, the small, everything that they got wrong was like such a small thing that was like such an easy fix. And like, if you just looked at like the bones of what they had, it was clear that like they were going to, they were going to get so much better so quickly. And like last year's broadcast was awesome. Like getting uh, Greg Norman out of the booth. Just it wasn't great. <laughs> Immediate effects. Fuck overrated, underrated. Ooh. This is a tough one. I I almost say he's underrated because of how much people hate him. I don't yeah, get that's, hate him. Yeah. I love I'm all in on it. I <laughs> like, love it. I, I like him. I think he's underrated because of like Andy said, all the like Twitter everyone thinks he hates their team. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I I don't know. I I go back and forth cuz sometimes he just annoys the crap crap out of me. Yeah. I mean I am a, a Cubs and Bears fan, and he is a Cardinals and Packers fan. Like, those are known things. <laughs> so, like, literally when he does games, he is rooting against my team. But, that being said... Well, I'm an Indians fan, and everyone in Cleveland thought, like, was you know, he and Kyle Schwarber had an inappropriate relationship and just <laughs> had to weed through all that stuff. It's funny because... Everybody, hate, he hates our team. He hates the Indians. <laughs> Everybody in Chicago said the same thing about the Indians. Yeah, right. right. It's kind I of unbelievable. Un- people Underrated. always people always say he's he's smug or whatever, and I think what really resonates with me is just kind of his like he's always got this like kind of nihilism about the fact that like sports don't really matter all that much, <laughs> uh, which just speaks like directly to my soul. And I love watching it. Just everything he says is just kind of like, Oh my gosh, what an impossibly huge moment this is. And it's like, it's just all dripping with sarcasm. It feels like I love it. I'm all in on that. <laughs> all right. Well, out on Joe Buck, I think we'll, we'll wrap it here. Do do we want to make predictions or no? Yeah, sure. Make, make your prediction. I already said speed. I'm in on speed. I just want to hear who you who you like when you distill it down to one name. I was gonna say speed. Let me let me. Go no, you to can take speed. No, you can no. take speed. Go for it. No, no, no. Strength in numbers. <laughs> Crunch the numbers. Uh, how about Rosie? Or second US Open. Yeah, I love that. I'm sitting, you know, telling you how much I like Spieth all week, DJ, and then you just take my pick right from me. Yeah. And, and now what, <laughs> exactly. am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so I'll go. Westy. I mean, I'll take, I'll take, who would you take, Dustin or Spieth straight up? I, I'd take Spieth, but I, uh, I'll, I'll take Dustin. That's who I'm going to pick for my one and done because I already burned Spieth, so. I'll take Dusty. Yeah. All right. Uh, there you have it. Hey, what are we betting on this uh, on this Westy uh, Leishman? I kind of really like Leishman this week too. I like Leishman this week too. I think it's gonna be a good bet. I think just let it roll. Twenty bucks. The stand the standard bet. All right. Just just be expecting a Venmo. Uh, yeah, exactly. From me. Yep. So, all right. All right, guys. Hey. Enjoyed Pura, it. Pura, thanks for coming on. You were you were an admirable, if not superior, replacement to the spicy <laughs> curmudgeon. All right, I, I be, could never. Right, be 
could never fill that void, but appreciate you having me on. 